0: Hello and welcome to the Saturday Night South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor O'Keara. Marler, have we found a Sarah Fuller jersey yet? I did.
1: I did, but it's from China, and I don't trust China right now. This is not a political statement. This is strictly because I'm an idiot and I had bought a kettlebell from China this quarantine for Ali, and got both of our accounts hacked.
0: Kettlebells so, sold in America, sold at Target. No, no, I
1: no, absolutely not. There's like a shortage everywhere. Like this was, like, really? this was like a big thing. Like we couldn't find them on Amazon. We definitely couldn't. Find, they have them up to 15 pounds, uh, between like eight and 15 pounds at Target. But they were sold out of every local Target. Our also our local Target shut down because of looting, which is welcome to Atlanta. But um, it was like we couldn't find we couldn't find one. We wanted one like between 25 and 35 pounds, or the adjustable. So I found an adjustable that it adds the weight on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Up to fifty pounds, and we never got it, and paid a pretty penny for it. Need to get the
0: big weights, you know. Gotta have, uh, gotta make sure you're going big. If, if you're I not, a, what are you doing?
1: A twelve pound kettlebell. I just don't think my hips are gonna be getting much out of those swings. I'll just say it.
0: Yeah, you gotta treat it like a straight leg deadlift, <laughs> they say. And exactly. that was Connor and Marler on lifting weights. <laughs> which is what everybody is listening to this podcast for. No, we we have a ton to get to, and. Yeah um we we of course are going to talk about every every single game that happened over the weekend um, an interesting week in the SEC yeah. a historic week in, in the SEC and there are going to be people listening to this saying, oh gosh you guys are gonna talk about Seraphore. you know what you're darn right we're gonna talk about Seraphore yeah, because, I don't get it. We didn't necessarily get a chance to talk about this um in preview last week um had posted in facebook group kind of about basically like what what kind of led to 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 all that not necessarily having our our usual schedule with thanksgiving and all that so um that's a nice little plug to go follow us on social media follow us on on facebook saturday down south podcast but yeah we are going to talk about sarah fuller because that was a really really cool moment despite the fact that vandy decided to do a vandy thing and not let sarah fuller become the first the become the first woman to ever uh, yeah. kick kick a field goal in a power five game she did become the first female to ever play in a in a power five game which in itself you know just a, a cool rare moment in a year of Mostly crap. Yeah, I was, I I was, you know, everybody's tuning into that game and everybody was following along. Just as soon as Vandy would get over midfield, it it became must see TV.
1: I um, I have so many thoughts on this, and uh, I I did look up to get a jersey immediately, and I will get a Sarah Fuller jersey uh, for Christmas, most likely. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand any of the negative feedback on it, and if you guys didn't agree with it or bothered you, it's fine. Fast forward through this, I guess. But here's the deal. And I'm going to hit it from both sides because there was one thing that did frustrate me about it. But, you know, uh, here, here's what I thought about it, Connor. Um, you talked about, like, skipping last week. I've, I've said this numerous times through the year. 2020 has been a nightmare, right? And I just... I've told this to other people on the pod. Like, sometimes, like, working in social media, you need, like, a mental health break because people are just so negative. They're just so negative. And I just didn't get... That response, and because it doesn't affect us, nobody in here is like I love Vanderbilt football more than any-. like nobody is like Vandy football like I am about Bama football. Like, you're oh, there like, are un- so
0: many people that watch Vandy's kickers very closely to very make sure closely. that they're performing up to par, and, and if they don't necessarily drop ninety-yard <laughs> bombs with every single kick, they're gonna let you know about
1: it. I, it, you know, and it, it, there's so much that, and I don't even want to get into like making fun of that crowd because I, I get that like. There's, like, there's something for everybody nowadays, and if you, like, what ends up in, happening is, I remember telling Allie first, when we first met, I was like, you don't have Twitter? You should definitely get Twitter. It's amazing. Like, you, you can, uh, yeah. I was like, you can, it's a one-stop shop. All your favorite entertainment, celebrities, like, news, like, politics, sports. And little did I know three years later, it would be like, I hate I hate Twitter, she hates Twitter, she got off Twitter. But, but some of the comments that were being said, and again, this is a small, like, portion of it. Like Like, we... We posted on 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 STS social media and it got great response. So many likes and engagement, all that kind of stuff. And there were negative responses. And, and here's is my issue with it: is one, y'all don't give a shit about about most things Vanderbilt football ever. Okay. The other part of it is, you want to chastise her for the kick. I, I'm. It was, it, was it was a design squib kick. It was a design, design squib kick. And kick. honestly, if you think of it, if it was a squib kick, she kind of nailed it because she put it right in between two, two players. Bro, and, you're and Pat it was
0: McAfee like, saying that she nailed it. I'm yeah.
1: take Pat McAfee's
0: but, opinion over a design squib kick over a random guy who's sitting right. at home who hasn't played football in probably 25
1: years. And, and here's the deal. If you think it was a PR stunt, Fine. It, but it doesn't matter because it doesn't affect us in a negative way. It was a cool thing. <laughs> exactly. And it, it, it was. It was like, like if if you think it was a PR stunt, like he was like, yeah, they just want people to talk about it. Well, like this is what I kept saying to people yesterday. I was like, sir, you're talking about it. Like, so here you go. But but here's here's the best. I, this is the best way I can explain it for people that hated it and didn't think it was cool or whatever. And and you know, I I, I will say this the entire and am fans don't get mad at me because I'm just I, I'm trying to make a point here the entire 12th man tradition I, I learned about this last Wednesday when I was watching that or last Tuesday when I was watching that 30 for 30 on their on their special teams ironically enough the entire 12th man tradition and I, I'm, I'm going to read you this okay on January 2nd 1922 a heavily outgained Aggies were they're were facing top ranked Centra, <laughs> Center college playing mm-hmm. or praying col- uh, colonels colonels on the gridiron in the Dixie Cla- Classic in Dallas. Yada, yada, yada. Basically, what happened was there was a player named, uh, an Aggie by the name of E. King Gill. He was a squad player for ADN's football team. And he was up in the press box trying to help reporters identify players in the field below. And what was happening wasn't pretty, OK? Bottom line, they had a bunch of players. They were getting injured. They needed people to come into the game. This guy, this player, this man came out of the press box, fully dressed as a football player, came down to the sideline and said, I am here if the team needs me i i will give my all for texas a&m today like if this and they rallied. he never entered the game connor never entered the game they rallied around this idea okay and um he said he he returned to the sideline where he stood ready to play for the entirety of the game the last play was run they found they had pulled off one of the greatest subsets of cultural history they won 22 to 14. he never played right but everyone now it's become this incredible tradition and we know A&M who has one of the most tradition rich programs in the country not just the SEC they still marvel at this and this is this is something they've carried for for over almost a century now because this guy came in and said you know what I love this f- university I'm going to I'm going to say a lot of things I love this f- university I'm coming out here I want to give my all for Texas A&M and I'm here if you need me coach I'm here cuz th- it matters to me how many of us would sit here and say, if if Bama needed somebody, I, 34 years old, terrible at doing deadlifts and squats, I'm running to Tuscaloosa right now if you need me, coach. Like, like love it. it. It just means more. All that kind of stuff. A girl comes off a soccer team, and from an SEC championship she played on Sunday, goes into the football, football locker room, breaks barriers, and gets the kick in a football game. And for some reason, there are people that want to chastise that. And it just speaks so much of where we are as society. We're so depraved and cynical and miserable now, for whatever reason, that we can't just enjoy this for what it is. And listen, if it's not for you, it's not for you. Move on. But if it's something that's like doesn't affect you at all, move the f- on and let anyone else enjoy it. It doesn't matter. I don't give a blank about Midnight Yell. You know what I don't do? Get on it. Get on social media and be like, the Midnight Yell is stupid. They're shove it in our face. Who cares? I'm sorry. I'm only using A and M traditions right now. But it just, it, like, I just, it, that really, that stood out to me. And I know that this isn't the same thing as that tradition. So a fans, like I said, don't get mad. But we glorify, and we, we sit here, and, and we, like, if that was a walk-on player, that was a man, in my opinion, people would have done, just, like, clapped nonstop for how great of an effort he put out. But it was a girl, and we live in 2020, where we have to sit here and make everything political and feel like everything is being politicized on, on either side. Just enjoy it for what it was. It was a yeah. really cool moment.
0: It was. And cool to see your post-game comments as well, where she's talking about, look, I, I hope that maybe by doing this, because it does take courage to do that. And it takes yeah. courage to, to stand up and say, yeah, I'm going to be the first to do something. Anytime you're the first to do something, it, it makes it, it makes waves. And you, you are subject to scrutiny. And, and yeah. she knew that when the second she signed up to do this and did this out of necessity, because Vanderbilt was in this situation where they're like, hey, we, we're, we're we have options no at one. this point. We have no one, and this is yeah. I mean, four days she spent playing football. She's been playing soccer since she was four years old. So yeah, like people are gonna criticize her form. Yeah, she's been kicking a football for four days. It's different than kicking a soccer. Like, well, let's but, chill. Like, that's not the point. Let's that's chill. Not the point that's it. not
1: exactly. And and I know that like, you know, you and I are uh, like not as like rigidly I think conservative as as like some, and that's fine. But the the whole thing is like when. Like she's she's like you said she's played soccer her entire life she played football for four days it wasn't like they took a scholarships football player and were like exactly, you know what exactly You're, we need this PR move like they just didn't have anybody and I just it blows my mind what I will say that bothers me is this the fact that Larry Roundtree had a great game I, I love the fact that what she did was incredible and, and so
0: many people are rooting against Larry Roundtree to stop scoring all those touchdowns yeah. <laughs> too
1: but but it bummed me out like and, and where this is this is sometimes I think where the media does get itself into trouble because it's like. You, we had every right to marvel at this and, and 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 applaud it and how great it was, but we also should have done our job as media members and looked at 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 like the game and said, you know what, Larry Rountree had himself a hell of a day. He deserves to have some of the spotlight and and deserves to be interviewed after the game. Instead, we interviewed him. Yeah. He got beat 41 nothing. And again, awesome moment. I just wish that you didn't have to share the spotlight. I just wish that that as a whole, Larry Roundtree would have gotten some attention too.
0: Nobody outside of Mizzou is going to remember Larry Rountree's performance in five weeks, and they're going to be talking about what Sarah Fuller did probably for the next five to ten years. Also true. Um, at least. So that's, that's kind of why... That unfolds the way it did, but yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was monumental. I, yeah. I I thought it was it was it was cool to see so many of these positive responses and so many people who were locked in and were interested in, in watching a game that otherwise, obviously, like that would have been priority. You know, if they had 500 things to do on a given Saturday, yeah. that would have been number 501 to tune into that game. So yeah, um, cool thing, and hopefully it inspires. Vandy. Hopefully next week, hopefully next week we get a chance to to be able to to watch her kick and Vandy is actually able to like get into field goal range or like score an extra point you know, know that would be
1: from that game yesterday it seemed like Mizzou and Vandy just hate uh, women's rights I just I'm, I'm, I'm kidding I'm kidding that suppressing 41 Clearly.
0: <laughs> all right we have a lot to get to but before we get to everything that happened in the SEC on Saturday Marley you know what I just did I went over to Publix Ooh. I got myself a little Texas Pete wing sauce mm-hmm. got the big bottle of that made sure to do that and I've got some chicken to have for later in the week. I might I mean I'm probably not gonna sprinkle it on ham. That'd be a little bit weird. That's weird but yeah, yeah a little so bit weird. Um well I I had Thanksgiving, I had Thanksgiving oh. turkey last week and I had Thanksgiving ham. So I did I, I had best of both worlds. I'm I'm a little I'm no, I'm pro ham, whatever, I get heat yeah. for that, but um, I will definitely be using my Texas Pete Wing sauce a, yeah. a lot this week. I'm sure that you are are fully stocked and ready to be Pretty much dousing every meal at Texas Pete through the holiday season.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, Thanksgiving, we talked about this a little bit on the preview pod that, um, or we wanted to talk about this in the preview pod that, like, you know, Thanksgiving stuff, we talked about this off air, is that we wanted to have our best recipes for the turkey. And I told you, I didn't have a recipe, Connor. I just shoved a bottle of Texas Pete up that bird's ass and was like, here we go. Do your your job, okay? And that's what we did. It was fantastic. I don't know if it was exactly the most, um, I don't know, healthy thing or, uh, you know, What's the, like, what, what's the for word? The bird, for the bird? Like, healthy? For, like, emotionally healthy for the bird, um, yeah. and also just like, you know, like, like I've worked in restaurants, and I don't know if that, what the health code would have been on that, but regardless, it was fantastic, uh, and a very, very flavorful bird. I'll tell you what, the best thing about my, my Thanksgiving, um, it definitely wasn't carving the turkey, because they don't give you, there's no man's guide to that, I feel like. Like, I don't want to Google that in front of everybody. I just doused everything in Texas Pete. So it's just a little drizzle of Texas Pete on top of the bird. It really goes a long way in showing how bad you are at your carving skills if you're like me. But it also helps out if you're good at carving, who cares? Just put it on everything, put it on your ham, put it on your turkey. It's about to be a long holiday season and there's nothing like the holidays for just, you know, being able to put on some extra pounds and not be judged for it. So, you know, you're going to have some some cashews we always have around the house, some Hershey's Kisses, and also some mini bottles of Texas Pete when you need an extra flavor, need a little extra oomph. I don't take five-hour energies anymore. I take Texas Pete mini bottles to the dome right away. So get yourself in Texas Pete. Today, Mary Pete miss.
0: Bama. Without Sabin. Rolls in the iron bowl. Saban test positive for COVID for real this time. Yeah, that was not good. Mild symptoms. Hope that, that he is able to to return return to form very, very soon, but kind of a, a peak twenty twenty storyline where we find out during the week that two of the, the two of the coaches of the top four teams in the country um, tested positive for COVID and weren't. One of those to teams be deserves to be in
1: the top four too. So yeah.
0: We'll save that for later. But Saban not being on the sidelines, was not going to change the inevitable of that matchup. It was lopsided. You thought that going in. You saw that play out. Um, Tank Bixby not being at 100%. Uh, yeah, that, that mattered probably in a tiny way, at least for the Auburn offense. Maybe a tiny yeah. bit. Um, not having KJ Britt. Okay, Auburn had no chance from the jump. Mac Jones was in for a tasty matchup. I thought he was excellent and Devontae smith went off yet again are we at the point now are we I, I mean i've been saying this kind of for a few weeks and it's becoming more and more real the conversation for Devontae smith not only is the best alabama receiver of all time but it's one of the best sec receivers of all time can we get to that point
1: yeah for sure i still don't think he should be he should win the um blitnikoff you, the, the over the right as of right now but if he goes and uh Puts up a bunch more yards in these last in this last game, or goes off the SEC championship game, then yeah, he would probably deserve that award. I, yeah, Devontae Smith, it's like you know when Jalen Waddle goes down and Jalen Waddle's putting up ridiculous numbers. I mean, just a, an absurd pace through four games, 554 yards of, of receiving, four touchdowns, all that kind of stuff. He goes down, and, and you worry that like all right, well, Mechie, as you saw yesterday at times, like Mechie's not going to go up and go get you a ball. Necessarily every time those 50-50 balls are much more 50-50 and not 70-30 as some other receivers in the SEC would be, and and Slade Bolden.
0: <laughs> there was a pass that Mac Jones threw to Slade Bolden over the middle that like Slade was Slade was not getting to that ball and you saw the potential for separation. You're like Waddle gets that. Waddle gets that yeah, and scores and then takes it All
1: right. Um, but Devontae Smith, the, the stuff he's able to do at his size at his like every time he touches the ball, I'm just worried like he's going to get hurt because if it, like I think what was it Pollock said when Waddle went down. They they weren't gonna make the national championship without Waddle. I, I think that he had that wrong. I think that if Devonte went down, that then that would be the real issue. And he's done nothing but step up in every single game since Waddle went down. He he looks awesome and and like in the run game, in in the passing game, and like he's returning punts now. There are a few players I think that mean more to their team than this uh, than Devontae Smith. But there's that's not who I want to talk about, Connor. I want to talk about everyone else. I want to talk about Bo Nick's, Little Nick's energy. I want to talk about the fact that he. Somewhat, I know it was taken out of context, but I'm gonna enjoy it anyway. Somewhat referred to Mac as a game manager in the middle of the week. I might have
0: subtweeted that like three times during the game. I I understand kind of what he's going for because it's been said by many people. If you're the opposing team quarterback going into the Iron Bowl, yeah, knowing that the matchup is lopsided, like you're you're a 24 point dog. Yeah, you can't you can't say that. You just can't with how well he's been playing. Yeah, and that's the frustrating thing, is that I think Bo, Bo Nix sometimes gets the benefit of the doubt for the things that he says, and he likes to jaw during the game. We don't mm-hmm. really talk about that a lot. But I did like really what he
1: said last game. he said, I don't even know your name. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's,
0: that's that's pretty good. But you knew the game manager comment was going to backfire. Devontae Smith said that he sent that quote yeah. like as soon as he saw it. He sent it to Mac Jones, who saw, who thought it was funny, which, yeah. yeah, that's what I would expect Mac Jones to say, calm, cool, confident guy. Bo Nix on the road just doesn't have a chance against quality opponents. No. Just and Malzahn on the road. Yeah, I mean it, there's there's something to be said said for that. And I think and I just thought that
1: It's in in Athens-Baton Rouge and, and Tuscaloosa.
0: Gosh, is that right? And then College Station he won think, last year. Th- I mean, that's... think
1: about think about the the numbers. Think about that team against Bama. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, think about think about Auburn going to Bama at home versus at, or on the road versus at home
0: it's pretty night and day. It yeah. is pretty night and day. And from from the jump, I mean, you, you kind of knew that it was going to be rough. That was like Bo Nix against Georgia all over again. Yeah, I mean, the Alabama defense absolutely swarmed him. This is an amazing thing to think about. Like, So Auburn scores the late touchdown. That's... That ended Alabama's streak of 193 minutes and 11 seconds without allowing a touchdown, which I guess That's it like should have happened 13 earlier. like 12 in quarters, right? Yeah, yeah. It should have happened earlier on the Seth Williams drop, which was one of the worst drops you'll ever see. But it didn't. That play uh, play over them. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't. Um, But Alabama's defense, again, played the type of game that makes you think, oh, crap, if you were banking on this team not being complete before, you sure as heck shouldn't be saying that now.
1: Yeah, so I think that the defense has really turned a corner. I would love to see what they look like against an actual good offense and an actual good quarterback, and I I, I don't care how that sounds, but it's like David Pog was talking about this before, and he goes, if "We're going to see what that offense looks like or that defense looks like, and whether they've just been playing bad competition or they've been playing a lot better." And and I was like, "That's a really good point," you know, because like they did, I mean, Mississippi State hadn't really turned a corner yet when they played them, and it was Garantano a couple of like, and, yeah, Garantano, yeah, and Kentucky, Kentucky, obviously, so it could have easily been one of those things. I love what they were able to do and bottle up this this Auburn uh, defense, and and they looked. They're starting to look, okay, they're starting to look like Bama defense of old in terms of they, they get a nose for the football, they're hitting very hard, they're getting after the quarterback's ass for 60 straight minutes, and they're starting to get a little bit of that sense of like when there's blood in the water, they, they, they attack. They att- I mean, it- I tell you what, Malachi Moore is Minka Fitzpatrick 2.0, bottom line.
0: He's doing a lot of the same things that Minka was doing as a freshman. The other, the other thing that I think is key that we kind of lost, maybe lost track of a little bit, and Bama fans might not have, but maybe we just didn't talk about this enough, is the presence of Christian Barmore, and he's having yeah. that that year that we kind of thought he could coming into the year, and he was banged up to start the year. But ever since he's been back, I mean, he had like two sacks in the first five minutes of that game, and you're just like, oh, they don't have a chance to block no. him. They don't have a chance to be able to keep bonex protected that was a game where he was going to be running for his life yep. making all those those back-footed throws that you're just like this this has no chance whatsoever of working out
1: yeah and I, I tell you what there was it was funny watching this because like somebody said this earlier and this is, I have a much different like recollection of this game than I think some Bama fans because a lot of Bama fans are younger than me now and and they've had to grow up in this world where it's like Bama only lose like it was fun to watch what this game is supposed to look like without a, an effing miracle involved It really I mean it really was like like it was and I feel like you start really looking over that like they had the stat where you said In the first 75 meetings there were two games Bama scored over 40 points in the last 10 they've they they've done it six times it, it like they have absolutely dominated at a lot of this uh, A lot of the series under Saban even though the record doesn't show it because a kick six a comeback and then the ridiculous stuff last year. So I, I think that Bama Bama looks like, in my opinion, far and away yesterday the best team in the country. Does that mean they're going to roll through teams like Notre Dame and 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 Clemson or even Florida? No, not at all. But I, but I think that when you when you put together the the defense as well, that makes Bama fans feel a lot better because we've already seen a Bama team with like a, a ridiculous offense like 2018, and 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 then roll into. F in Santa Clara and get your brains beaten by Clemson. The one thing I will say about that is of all the years I've been watching it, and you and Bama's put up ridiculous numbers. They've won an award at every single individual position. They've won the highs and they've won national championships. I don't know if I've ever seen a team this loaded on offense that could have the potentially the Heisman winner, Balitnikoff winner, and Doak Walker award winner.
0: Yeah, that's that's the difference, I think. And Najee got going late in this one. It was a bit of a tough sledding early on and Credit Auburn for actually being able to yeah. kind of get some push up front, but then he, he breaks through and you're just like, oh, yeah, Najee is – just such a phenomenal player. Alabama still yet to have a game decided by less than 17 points. If that <laughs> continues into the SEC championship, Alabama will have a playoff bid clinched regardless yeah. of what happens in the SEC championship.
1: Well, and another thing on that. I oh, might I didn't mean to catch you. No, up. go ahead. Okay. So the other thing I thought was interesting with this, Cole Kubrick put up a good stat about this, and he said in the last 47 games, okay, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Alabama has now scored 35-plus points and what is it it's like 20, I think it's 20 straight games yeah i think it's 20 straight games and it was like they've scored uh, they've 2018 scored.
0: national championship would be the last mm-hmm. time that they didn't
1: right so. and so it said that's a college football record that's a that's a record in the history of college football auburn's defense we talk about you know especially you at this like kevin Steele, and he deserves a lot of credit a lot of times but he's that defense allowed over i think it's 30 points twice um, maybe he's had like over 40 points twice in the past uh, 47 games. It's the last two seasons against Bama. That says a lot about what Coach Sark was able to do. And and you know you could sit here. I thought about this too. You could sit here. It's amazing how much the the goalpost move for a team like Alabama when you want to argue against them because it's like yeah, it's true. Like you, like the Sark thing. It's like well, it's only it's hard to judge him if he's a good play caller because he's got so much talent around. Like, that okay. is such crap. It's that such, is crap. Such, such crap. He's crap. he's dude, like. He said they – they showed a stat in the game, and it was like yards per play, points per game, yards per game, and something else. And it was like three out of the four were school records for Alabama, and he's ahead of that pace in three of the other four for this season. And I think – so Sark it was a fantastic – did a fantastic job all day. The other part of this I, – and I thought it was yesterday, and I want you to correct me because you're a more rational person than me. Mac Jones. We talk about this all the time. It's like, well, Mac Jones is only good because he's got – Najee Harris and Devontae Smith, and he, when he had Jalen Wallace he's got all his talent on him. You know who we never made that excuse for? And I'm not comparing him to these quarterbacks, but we never made that excuse for guys like Danny Werfel, who had the best receiving core, in my opinion, in the history of SEC football. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peyton Manning, who had first and second round draft picks littered all mm-hmm. over the field, at, at, uh, and Jamal Lewis in the backfield for, for a brief period of time. And then, and guys like Tim Tebow, Tim Tebow coming in with the greatest recruit, like one of the greatest recruiting classes of all time in 2006, Percy Harvin, all these Hernandez, players, Aaron Hernandez. We never hear about that for those teams. It was like, well, he, he's only good because he had all these players around him. No, Mac Jones is a good quarterback. I, I just I don't get how we could still not be on board with that.
0: Two instances that I want to bring up here um, one point on Mac, one point on Sark. The play where Mac sensed that backside pressure. Gary was blown away by this. And if you actually I mean, Gary didn't realize that Mac had there was this there was this play where Mac had stepped up in the pocket and it looks like he's just about to get swallowed whole yep. by the Auburn defense. And it looks like he kind of got slapped on the back just ever so mm-hmm. slightly. But that was his mental cue to step up into the pocket, something that Bonex still doesn't know yep. how to do. And he steps up and he floats that perfect ball to the outside. And I think it was was it Mechie that he got that ball to? Uh, um, where he floats that ball on the right side and it's just like a walking touchdown? touchdown oh it was, yeah. no it was
1: one nine it was billingsley
0: that was oh yeah. that was billingsley that's yeah. right that's right and he floats that ball perfectly to him and it's like that's the stuff that people are going to look at and say oh he's got a streaking receiver wide open like nine quarterbacks out of 10 there are sacked in that spot yeah. and they're behind the sticks all of a sudden. And Mac Jones turns that play into a touchdown. That's like a small little thing. And the people who are saying, well, Sark's got all these play callers. And I still, every time I tweet about Sark, I still get people that respond saying it's this.
1: Mind-blowing.
0: The play that blows me away that I think is so nuanced and so creative and so many teams, Kentucky, you know, yeah. Tennessee, wish that they had an offensive mind who could dial up stuff like this. Where Devontae Smith, is running, and I think it might have been Mechie who was behind him. And it looks like it's gonna be a screen to Mechie. Uh And Devontae Smith is pass blocking immediately out of his break. And instead, he pass blocks and he almost operates like a tight end. And then he quickly slips open for that slant. And it's like one move and he's gone. Gone. And he cuts past the Auburn secondary for a touchdown. Like It was such a beautifully designed play in which Devontae got freed up for that quick second that's Sark like that is yep. recognizing what a defense is queuing in on recognizing that that Auburn secondary was a little bit overzealous it was desperate to try and force some sort of a takeaway and it's recognizing in that spot I have a, a smart receiver who knows how to sell this and that's exactly what he does so you can say all this about oh it's the playmakers it's this or that it's just everything is working yeah. right now for this offense
1: yeah and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that sark I mean you lose you lose the most dynamic an explosive player in college football he's not as fast as anthony schwartz but you lose the most dynamic and explosive playmaker in the in the entire nation in college football with Jalen waddle and the offense is even better somehow like it's just it's mind-blowing well malik
0: willis malik willis
1: okay so also i want to give you a shout out and i've given you so much about this over the years but is it is it possible that you know quarterbacks better than gus malzahn
0: those are your words not mine (laughs) <laughs> I'll say this: Blake Bortles is better I, than I Joey Gatewood. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's true. I, I I think you deserve credit for that, and you're not you don't get it as much. And I have been very hard on you about that, but but I, I think it's uh <laughs> it's so funny to watch because like you know the Bo Nick stuff. I mean, it's just he is what he is, and we'll wrap this up because I know people don't want to hear only a Bama podcast by any means. But but I I, I I will say it was fun watching that yesterday, and and I I, I sat there, and Allie looked at me at one point. Who, by the way, go beeves.
0: Yeah, I'm not necessarily going to support Joe Moorhead losing, but yeah, I mean, congratulations.
1: <laughs> That's a beautiful game. But she said something. I won't say it now, but it was it was beautiful what she said. Actually, I will say it now. She said this on on Friday night watching the uh, the Civil War game, the Oregon Oregon State game, and um and she she made the comment. She goes like, because o- o- Oregon State clearly scored on second down, in my opinion, and they called him down like the half inch line, and she was like, gee, did. It's always some mfing bs with these mfers and it, it's always some miracle it's like they it always get the luck of the draw They're just like auburn And i was like oh my god i love you so much somebody made this comment in in the facebook group and i think it's so funny to me because it's like i've seen it from auburn fans and lsu fans over the past couple days which was just this defeatist mentality of, of defeated mentality of well all i'll say is bama still never beat auburn when they've been a good team. You know what, then be a better team more. Because like, I'm I'm tired of skull dragging y'all by 40 points a game for two out of three years and then somehow by just Auburn Jesus shows up and you guys win a game on a miracle. It just, it, it just cracks me up that there's still somehow this this like feeling of like, well, I mean, Saban, Saban only beats bad Auburn teams or whatever. It was a perfect game. Allie even said afterwards, she goes, that was so much fun, it was never even close. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And we also did get a noise complaint from our new neighbors. Oh, there you go. That's yeah.
0: add one to the to the total. Yeah. Um, the other another SEC West showdown. Uh, this game lacked a, a lot of intrigue once yeah. it got going. I mean, AM grinded out a win against LSU. And I'm not trying to say this to take away from AM because AM winning yeah. a game against LSU by double digits, uh, that that is an impressive feat. And you consider that Jimbo Fisher is now two and one against LSU since he has been there. That is a, a I, I get it, the, the seven overtime game should have gone to LSU. Yep. It is still an impressive thing for Jimbo Fisher to have come in and done. And I thought, so, you know, the difference for a and and what makes this team a little bit different, that was a game in which well, Kellen Mond was terrible. I mean, it was well, his worst on, game of the that. year it felt like 2019 all over again. His Wait. everything he's thrown into was just bad was bad small windows and he couldn't do a thing against that LSU pass defense which credit Bo Pelini because it finally actually looked good. The problem, of course, is that A&M did everything else right. Like Isaiah yeah. Spiller gets going in the ground game, the offensive line created a nice hole for him on that touchdown run and Mike Elko had a big time this is why you pay me all that money type of game. Yeah. Mike Elko flex game. It was. It was. Broad, broad pressure, totally confused both of LSU's true freshman quarterbacks. I mean, they forced TJ Finley to throw. They're bringing guys into the box. That is what Mike Elko does. Had the terrible pick six to Buddy Johnson
1: yeah. in which Kocho,
0: <laughs> wow. Kocho was a different kind of human after that yeah. one. And that was probably the product of a very frustrating day for LSU.
1: He had that dad look, where which is like not like, "Hey, y'all keep it down back there," or "Y'all keep it, y'all keep the noise down," or "Go to bed." It was like, "You did what with the car?" He was not happy. Look at me! Look, look at me! Yeah, that was um, that was terrifying. I would have entered the transfer portal immediately because that just I would have been so scared. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was great. Buddy Johnson. Buddy <laughs> Johnson's to him. a man yeah. child. We haven't Buddy talked Johnson enough is the about most that. A No, we haven't. We haven't talked enough about their D line. I keep talking about their O line. We haven't talked enough about the D line being so good. Bobby Brown. Yeah, he's a stud. <laughs> like everything every single every single player they have is like from like a 1950s like yearbook. It's just Buddy Johnson, yeah. Bobby Brown. <laughs> um i was cracking up and like shout out to adam spencer because he sent me a text and he was like old neighbor buddy johnson having himself a game because buddy johnson is the most texting him name hey of buddy. All time. hey, hey buddy. buddy hey old man <laughs> i remember when buddy was sheriff for for years up there in Katy. um also that got fact checked on twitter so there's that <laughs> <Nice>. not good <laughs> no but it was a, um, it was a good game i was i was disappointed in mom was that his senior night so it's hard to know with yeah,
0: what, what's left with this schedule and what's being moved around and all that. Um, yeah. TBD on that, I think. I could be wrong on that. I don't know that off the top of my head.
1: Regardless, um, it was a tough night for him.
0: A&M fans were frustrated because the broadcast crew did not exactly give them any favors.
1: And nope. AM
0: comes into that game knowing what has already happened with the Big Ten in the last 24 hours, which if you're looking for things that could potentially help a playoff path, you would consider that to be one of them. Ohio State gets a game canceled. You have, and possibly going to get more games canceled. I don't need to, we don't need to necessarily, you know, We're going to go talk about Ohio it at some point. We'll talk about it in the preview pod because that'll be after oh, the rankings man. come out I'll on Tuesday nights. Episode. But what also happened was Northwestern, an undefeated team, mm-hmm. lost to Michigan State. And Northwestern's playoff path is gone. So if you're looking for things to happen in a and that's those are, you know, certainly going to help. But the question was, does and m have to pass this eye test the rest of the way? Do they have to light up teams? Do they have to win these games by 30 points and unequivocally look like a playoff caliber team? And it seems like on the broadcast, they were like, this isn't a good performance. And when you're throwing the ball like that in a game in 2020, it doesn't make you look yeah. the part. And that's, I think, part of this this thinking of is a And M worthy of this. It'll be interesting to see if the selection committee somehow drops a And I don't think that's going to I happen. I think they will. I don't think that's going to happen because it's Florida who's right behind them. And if you're going to make a statement like that of saying the head-to-head is what's going to win out, yeah, Kentucky beating Florida or Kentucky, you know, losing to Florida like that, that's not necessarily going to. I thought Kentucky hung around for a bit and we'll talk about that more later but that yeah. wasn't a, a game where you're like oh Florida' is so much better and Florida's a million times better than am all True. of a sudden that's still going to be your biggest factor so there's still this path that I believe exists for A&M, convincing wins or not yeah that Alabama Notre Dame Ohio State if those three teams just win out yeah it goes to am and it doesn't it go should to be
1: yeah well. I don't know. Cincinnati is good. I'm not going to get into the Cincinnati thing again. That was just, oh, geez. Um, I, but I will say, A&M, like, I thought LSU just continues to, to live in a, in a world where they refuse to do anything that benefits me personally. I had a parlay on this game. I told you last week that I loved Georgia Tech. I love Georgia Tech in that, in that underdog role at home. I parlayed it with Georgia and Georgia Tech and A&M. Backdoor
0: cover for LSU,
1: yeah. Yeah, with like 30 seconds to go, but but no, I think that when you talk about AM and, and like their their playoff hopes, I think the committee because I don't trust the committee, um, I, I think the committee will do something stupid and possibly move them down. I, I you're right about everything you said, but again, you're coming from a place of logic and reason. Where would they move them
0: down to though? Because right if you're going to move them down,
1: just move them, just switch them. I ah. dude, I agree with you. I agree with you, and I don't think they should. I, I think both of them should be ahead of Ohio State at this point. It, like it's it's I I don't think they're gonna move them down. Like, like too much. Like they're gonna drop them a whole bunch because of this like convincing win. It's a rivalry game, but you're right. Those broadcasters didn't do a lot to help them at all. And I had and Dan Orlovsky say at one point, it, it, like, and I usually like Dan Orlovsky. I hate his voice, but I like him as, a, mm. as like a, his like the way he like breaks down the game. He said at one point, he said, you know, if Ohio State can play two more games, they're 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 good for me. Like like they're they're in for me. That that's enough for me. And I'm just sitting here thinking, like, what effing world do we live in where it's like, you know what, Ohio State. We think you're good. Yeah, you've been getting torched. I've, this, I've really done a good job of D- getting my Ohio State hate in here, even though you didn't want it. Yeah. yeah no. But, but like, Ohio State, we, we sat here. Like, I said this yesterday on radio. Like, if you're going to say Ohio State deserves to be in, look in the mirror and, and, and try not to lie to yourself, because all you're saying is, you know what, they're, they're good based off what I thought they were going to be in the preseason. And that's where we are with them. And I think that it's like anybody saying otherwise is lying to themselves because – this defense has been getting absolutely worked over the passing defense, especially. And you you talk about like like Peter Burns brought up Northwestern, the side by side with Ohio State yesterday, and and I I don't know what it is today. I should have looked it up, but like their 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 opponents' total wins was like what six and eleven or six and fourteen or something. Something stupid. good. It's terrible. And and then and then they go in here and you look at like like whether it's Northwestern or anybody. Ohio State is only good because we think they're supposed to be good in, in in the preseason and mock drafts and all that kind of stuff with all the talent they have. It's a joke, and A&M continues to get it done on the field. They they beat a game. It's a rivalry game for them. Yeah, it was ugly, but, like, you know, if that was 20 to nothing, that looks more impressive probably. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's, true, it's, true. It's just so ridiculous that we're sitting here, like, like they showed it this morning, and it says Florida 7-1, A&M 6-1, Ohio State 4-0.
0: If the situation were reversed – Think about the outcry nationally. If a team like Bama was sitting there with only a 4-0 record or something like that, or maybe it's Florida, or maybe it's LSU, the outcry would be, oh, the selection committee just loves the SEC. I, I think this is more just about preseason confirmation bias. Yeah. I think A&M's path, I think it's still there. I, I absolutely think that it's it's still there. Whether or not they win every single game by 30, obviously like that yeah. would help. But yeah, the thing, Dan Orlovsky, some of the stuff that he says, this is the same guy who a month ago was saying that TJ Finley deserves to be the starter over... Over Miles Brennan, um after one game. After yeah. one game he said that this is the same guy who last year was telling you that Trevor Lawrence was doing things that Joe Burrow wasn't. Like this is the yeah, same guy who is going out on a limb saying that Carson Wentz, who's about to be benched for Jalen Hurts, is you that's know, brutal. is the is the future moving forward. Jalen Hurts was taking first team reps, by the way, um, in practice this week. Oh, oh is it this week he is? Uh that's 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 the word on the street. Oh, sh- they play so the I'm slugs. not going to
1: that's Bay's team so that's not good.
0: I'm not going to take Dan Orlovsky yeah. um, as as serious. I'll just say that. The egg bowl. I I love this rivalry. Yeah, I thought this game still checked so many boxes for me. Yeah, despite the fact that we did not get that wild, crazy ending. There wasn't that middle of the game moment that just made you think this is nuts. There wasn't a benches clearing brawl. There wasn't Nick Fitzgerald flipping off somebody. There wasn't a fake dog <laughs> piece celebration. There wasn't your typical egg bowl shenanigan type of right. stuff. Although I think like there was a there was like a um, something that like this the, they had the smoke maker that broke or something like that at one point during the game. But I, I thought the Mary Egg Bowl. Bowl. Yeah, I know. I thought the Egg Bowl was about to get really weird at the end. It almost happened. There was like that pre Hail Mary that set yeah. up the last second Hail Mary, but it didn't quite get to that level. But the good news is that chapter one of the Mike Leach, Lane Kiffin Egg Bowl was great. Yeah. They went for nine fourth downs. Those poor kickers were treated like the person who brings the veggie tray to Thanksgiving dinner. They <laughs> were totally taken that was good. out. Like, like there, there's like oh, kick. It's fourth and three on the twenty-five yeah. yard line. What? Come on, no. What? What do you think this is? Veggie this straight this straight is football. Straight, that's good. I, it, I thought the game still checked a lot of boxes. I was glad that it actually kind of got that it got close at the end. I mean, mm-hmm. we had records with passing yards. We had nearly a hundred passing attempts. So little peel behind the onion here. My uh Our editor, Chris Wright, he had sent me a message on like Tuesday, which he often does every, every week and says, hey, what game do you want to cover this week? Right. I'll give you the choice between the Iron Bowl or the Egg Bowl. Which one do you want? I'm like, give me the Egg Bowl all day. I'd yeah. much rather write off the Egg Bowl just because I thought the Iron Bowl was going to be super lopsided. What was that really going to tell us? And I'm not necessarily sure that the first edition of this Egg Bowl told us that Ole Miss is going to dominate this rivalry for years. But Ole Miss is ahead of where Mississippi State is at right now. They're like a year, at least a year ahead in terms of their each coach's offensive vision. Ole Miss has that, and Mississippi State making progress in that regard with Will Rogers at quarterback for all the yards that he threw for, but still just not on that level yet.
1: Yeah, it was fun, man. It was fun to watch. It was um, like I, I watched like I mean, I watched the Iron Bowl primarily. Like I said. And I will not apologize for that. But, Did you um, see these Matt Corral throws? They looked yeah. like
0: Russell hey. Wilson and DK Metcalf. I mean, and some I, of these I balls. Really,
1: I thought that, that Eli, Eli Moore was going to have like a much bigger statistical game, but he played an incredible role. And, you know, you talk about how about Ole Miss's defense stepping up when they had to and and, and making, like, a big play. Like it, it had everything that you would usually want from an Egg Bowl except for a fantastic finish. And I thought the finish was still good. It just was one of those things where, um, you know, they came up a little bit Short on the Hail Mary. By the way, I thought he caught it. I thought he caught it first. In that Hail I did too at first.
0: I did too. I was like, and oh my then God, was Leach. How, how many people wanted to see? I mean, Ole Miss fans didn't want to see this happen. Yeah. How many people wanted to see? Is Leach gonna go for two? You know, he wouldn't. He would have gone for two. Dari there's, brought that there's up there's and no I thought doubt. it was
1: such a good point. I was cracking up because I was like, oh my gosh, like, I, I, like, and I'm, I'm not even gonna do. I'm not even gonna get into it because I know as like as like a Bama fan, like I, I would hate to even entertain that they won. Almost won. They deserve to win. I thought it was great. It was a huge win, I think, for Lane Kiffin in year one. And I, and I tell you what, you're going to hate to hear it, but Lane Kiffin, ex- like, like being able to have a Saturday by himself or Sam Pittman's not coaching, I think he also – they're going to end up putting co-coach of the year awards. They might. I guarantee you.
0: They might. Um, again, I still come back to if Sam Pittman beats every year one coach, which he can this weekend yep. if he beats Eli Drinkwitz then that would be the biggest feather in his cap because yeah. of what we were talking about all those different coaches in And
1: you could argue too, that like beating all the teams that like no matter what, if you beat them all by 17 or more, even if you had COVID, you could be in the, um, like, if, oh, like I'm famous. just, am just saying like, you could throw in somebody else's name for coach of the year. Um, you know, if, if you wanted to, but like I'm sure they. Saban would. wasn't even
0: coaching on Saturday, so I think he's pretty much taken out of the award, right? Like yeah, that's that's totally. the way.
1: That... <laughs> totally, that's uh, uh, That was also my favorite comment. You
0: talk about the Ole Miss defense and how they actually stepped up in this one. We've had our fair share of fun with the Ole Miss defense. Yeah, I still think they're they're pretty bad. Getting Otis Reese back was pretty important. It was. I, I, I say back, even though the Georgia transfer hasn't been allowed to play yet, thanks a lot, SEC, thanks a lot, NCAA, for being able to do that. Really, really stupid in a year in which nobody's losing a year of eligibility. I don't know why that kid continued to have to sit out, but Chris Partridge said on the broad, they they said on the broadcast that Chris Partridge, the co co, um, Ole Miss defensive coordinator, was saying how like, yeah, Otis Reese is probably the best player on our defense. He hasn't yep. played a game yet, and he's like the best player on our defense. This hybrid guy who just has a nose for the football, and I'm like, oh, that's clearly what Ole Miss has been missing yeah. this entire year. I hope that we get five years of this, of Leach and Kiffin, and I don't want to definitively say, oh, Kiffin's gonna, Kiffin's absolutely gonna leave for a bigger job. I, I don't, I don't know that, but if we can get five years of this, I think that we will appreciate this so so much because we're seeing kind of what their offensive visions are and right now matt corral and i hope we get another year matt corral too that's another thing i hope for because the heisman conversation around him right now would be a whole lot different if he didn't have the six interception game and i'm not saying you could just wipe away a six interception game that matters it's hard to throw six picks in one game but kit might hold on to the ball a little bit too long but some of the things that he's doing are just so, so fun. And I yeah. think that that guy is playing this, this game at, at a level that maybe people outside of the SEC aren't really giving him credit for because almost came to this game three and four, and you don't really pay attention to quarterback on a three and four team, especially with the Heisman.
1: I was told before the season started that there might be a possibility they wouldn't win a single game by some people. And it's like, man, they come in here now four and four, very close loss to Bama, shouldn't have lost to Auburn. Uh, I think it's a good team. I think it's an incredible job. I, I think part of it needs to be said, like what what Matt Luke was able to set up there. But you talk about that six interception game. I know he backed it up with a two interception game against Auburn. Since then, twelve touchdowns, no picks. Uh, <laughs> like I'm not, I can't do the average really in my head stupid. right now. Stupid. But nine twenty-five and three eighty-five, so thirteen hundred and ten yards of, of passing. Um, it's just been it's been fun to watch, man. It's been fun to watch. It's been it's been really good. And I think as the year has gone on. You talk about these last three games. Granted, the, the teams were Vandy, South Carolina, Mississippi State, but when they needed him to step up the most, and, and they were kind of reeling and, and were one in four, 13 touchdowns, zero interceptions, done a really good job uh, of of getting that team back to 500, and also doing a really good job of, of of playing really good football, man, just really good football. And this is this is anybody anybody can sit here and say well, you know, like he's, he's got Eli Moore and they're just like they're just scheming him open or, you know, it's, he's, it's the offense he's in. Sure. The scheming,
0: yeah, the scheming thing is overrated too with Eli yeah. Moore because it, he's actually getting, like Pro Football Focus has the numbers that show the separation he's getting on his routes in man coverage and the yards after catch in terms of breaking tackles and stuff like that. Yeah. It's not all scheme with Elijah Moore.
1: It's not. And, and, and again, I had this conversation with somebody yesterday. Um, I love him to death. But he was talking about how, like, the, 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 uh, it was, I mean, it was our producer, Will, and he was talking about how, like, the the quarterback plays down. And I think that when you really look at it, like, there's some bad quarterbacks for sure. But, like, Matt Corral and Felipe I think Franks. It's bad after, like, six, seven, sure. yeah, right yeah. there. Yeah. It, that's, that's fine. Um, but, like, when you have, like, guys like Matt Corral and Felipe Franks that aren't really getting a lot of national attention, Felipe Franks' numbers are really good. And Matt Corral, even if you take out the, if you take out the, um, what do you call it? The the number six interception game. The six interception game. Yeah, he's still. I mean, thirty-two touchdowns and thirteen. P- oh, I'm sorry, that's, his, that's I'm looking at it right now. and That is not correct. That's his uh, his entire numbers numbers. 24, yeah. 24 and nine is really good. It, like it's, it's. I think that's really good. Like it's like like Kyle Trask like put up what like twenty-seven and seven last year, and we thought it was like, you know, incredible. The Felipe Franks year before is like twenty-four and seven. I I just think he's having a really good year and deserves a little bit more more love. And and Eli Moore. Should still be getting Heisman talk.
0: Yeah, I, or deserves to be. Devonte Smith has odds. Elijah Moore yeah. doesn't. So stupid. Um, maybe maybe that'll change after a week in which he got a lot of attention. Of course, the year to year transformation that he had post fake dog pee celebration to becoming the most prolific receiver in college football yeah. right now. Just had a casual twelve catch game. No the way that
1: Heisman is, is is like is positioned. The way his legs easy. are. You, it's easy. It's easy to move it, and they could easily nope. turn it into a dog pee. Nope.
0: Guy that would be getting Heisman consideration if he had been playing full season. Kyle wasn't Pitts. wasn't a tight end. Yeah, although I think it's, un- again, it's unfair to call him a tight end. Let's just call yeah. Kyle Pitts a football player at this point. Loud, loud return. Uh, against Kentucky, three touchdowns had a hat trick in this game. That 56-yarder in the first quarter, where he's just running away from the Kentucky secondary. I think it was Kelvin Joseph who was trying to. It turn was Calvin Joseph did not have the best day in terms of Again. trash talking, in terms of pushing <laughs> Kyle Trask. Um, not, I thought not the it best. was.
1: I thought it was like a really good defensive um, play call at first, and, and then and then you see how it ends up. Honestly, obviously, obviously, but it's like like Joseph is backed off. And they brought somebody else in the blitz, and he—he he was basically disguised to being in man with Kyle or Kyle Pitts. And you're like, "Oh wow, yeah, your former five star, pro- maybe your best defensive back, maybe, maybe." SEC, <laughs> SEC
0: leader in interceptions as well,
1: Calvin Josephus.
0: Ah, uh, Calvin Josephus. Yes, uh-huh. despite the fact that he's had some rough moments, uh, yeah. Seth Williams tells a thing or two about that as well. Kyle Pitts, is he? Is he the SEC's best overall player? And I'm not saying is he has he had the best season because when you don't play a full year he's yeah. only played six games he has 11 touchdowns in six games but if you're having this conversation right now Devontae Smith Elijah Moore Nick Bolton um, maybe Aziz Ojulari Georgia. Mm-hmm probably belongs in that conversation. I think Patrick Sertan belongs in that conversation. Yeah, of course, exactly. Mac Jones and Kyle Trask. But in terms of as best overall football player, like the guy that you would say, he is doing his job at a level that nobody else in the SEC is right now. It's hard not to put him in that conversation when every time he's on the field and he's healthy, all he does is just catch touchdown passes.
1: If, when you phrase it like that, yes. I wouldn't say Aziz Ojeleri because he's not even leading the SEC in sacks. I th- um, yes, he
0: and he and BJ were the SEC sack leaders going into this past weekend. Yeah, he had. So I know now. he had at least one more as well on Saturday. Uh, so he, had he at has least five one and sack a half. Luke Doty. Uh, I think he has six and a half now because he sacked Luke Doty at the end of the first half in that game as well. So
1: Kingsley Inagbar.
0: Yeah, the pronunciation on that one we're gonna have yeah. to work
1: on. Yeah, South Carolina. He has South six. Carolina. Says he's yeah. leading. Um, but regardless, like he's. I mean, he's he's done a great job. That's not important. When you phrase it like you phrase it with Kyle Pitts, is there anyone do at their position doing a better job? No, and it's not really close. I mean, like at the tight end position, like and I hate to even discount it that way because, like you said, like he's just a football player. I, I, he, like, I mean, like the fact that he came back and and won, or the fact that he came back and scored three touchdowns. Like, it's so stupid. I just nobody
0: nobody has figured out how to guard yeah. him yet. That's that's the problem. Is that Well,
1: that's the counter yeah,
0: go ahead. There's no blueprint for a team like Alabama who's going to have to prepare for some some version, some, some way they're going to have to have some sort of bracket coverage to stop the 2020 version of Kyle Pitts. Yeah. Which is proving to be hell, especially in the red zone where he runs that little corner route and he just gets like, three, four yards of separation because on film, you've seen him line up on the outside and run that inside step. He's not necessarily always like doing these fades in the goal line or something like that where he's just kind of jump balling, you know, dunking on some 5'11 defensive back. Yep. When well, he runs that route and he's getting that type of separation off the ball and it's just a walk-in touchdown for him to the pylon, you're like what what do you do i just don't understand what you can possibly do when you've seen all these good defensive minds struggle to come up with anything that resembles a plan to contain him
1: yeah it's unfair um you know and that's the thing Connor. Though, like you talk about this he i'm assuming he must have been a two or three star it wasn't that good because all the just players first, around kyle guy. trask okay just a four-star guy because like all the guys around Trask, man like he's putting up ridiculous numbers but like he has I mean, he oh, doesn't Tres have Tress gets help. some of that.
0: Tres gets some of that. He definitely he
1: should because cause Grimes Grimes is, is like Trayvon Grimes might be the most underrated or unheralded receiver in the in the country. And he he's is, so damn good. Grimes but, is great. He yeah, drops me, the ball a little bit too much for my liking. But that yeah. Fair. Let me stop being petty for a second. Let me give you a, some stats that will blow <laughs> your mind that I'm looking at right now, okay? All right, so I'm looking at receiving leaders in the SEC in twenty twenty. All right, so receptions. Eli Moore, Devontae Smith, leading that with 86 and 72. Yards, Eli Moore, 1,193, and Devontae Smith, uh, 1,074. Receiving yards per game, both those guys, 10.8, 9.0, leads the SEC in that. Um, rece-
0: yards per catch, is that?
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's receivings, or wow, wow, receivings, receptions per game. Reception um, per game. Yards per catch, that one's not as important because it doesn't help my narrative. Um <laughs> no no the yards for catch actually does because Eli Moore has thirteen or like thirteen point nine, Devontae 14.9. Here's the thing. Again, receptions 72 and 86 in that order for Devontae and Eli Moore. Touchdowns. Devontae Smith leads the SEC with 12 touchdowns. Kyle Pitts has 11 touchdowns. He's he has he has less than half Okay, less than half of the total receptions that Devonte Smith has. Right, he has he has 43 less receptions on the year and one less touchdown. Um, it, the, the dude's been incredible. He averages like half uh, half the receptions per game basically of Devontae Smith. It says because he's only played six games. I he's been incredible, and I don't think I think you're right. Like if you're talking about like the best overall player, especially at their position, it's easily him. I would still say him or Nick Bolton, Nick Bolton did some things yesterday that were really, really impressive. And just like, it's just a, a, he's just a a monster on that defense from zoo. But but Kyle Pitts, man, yeah, I mean, honestly, and you could say it maybe for even the entire country. Like, is there anyone else that does what he does?
0: I know those Iowa State tight ends are, are getting a lot of love right now, but I mean it's
1: they?
0: yeah they are. I mean they're very good. Okay. Charlie Kohler is yeah they had like a combined like over 200 receiving yards in that game against Texas, which was um, interesting. Horns yeah. are totally back. Um, but Kyle Pitts in that conversation as well with Kyle Trask. I don't know if you saw they were loving it on the broadcast. CD on the broadcast, by yeah, the way. he loved, killed loved it. Love to see that. Love to see that. He was great. Um, the Kyle the Kyle Saved by the Bell T-shirt. That got a little bit of airtime. That was pretty cool. Um, might need to uh, get in the market for something like that because I'm a sucker for all things say by the bell. Yeah. But Kyle I Trask was, is yeah. Kyle Trask had one of these days where um, you expect more because you thought the matchup was really good, and it ends up being mediocre by his standards. But it's still a day in which he has three touchdown passes, no interceptions. And, yeah, there might have been an interceptable pass or two. People keep making up, keep talking about all the turnover-worthy passes that he has that aren't intercepted, blah, 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 whatever. I, I still think that it's still going to come down to the SEC championship between yeah. Kyle Trask and Mac Jones. Now unless, more than ever. Yeah, unless Kyle Trask has, like, two games – Coming up here, where he just throws for like five or six touchdowns against Tennessee, and he's sitting on the brink of records or something like that, going into the SEC championship, and we see some sort of shootout. But I do think that we are now, especially after what Mac did over the weekend, it is now very much a two-horse race. Justin Fields lost another game to play. It, it, it in my opinion, it is very, very obvious that it's going to come down to yeah. these two guys.
1: Even Orlovsky said that last night, and, he, and, and as much as you hate him, obviously. oh, good for him. Um, <laughs> I do hate him. I just no, think that I, he, but he, all the he's a little bit too positive. positive.
0: Yeah, he's a little bit too quick to rush to judgment yeah. on some of these takes. Uh, that's totally opinion. fair.
1: Um, um but no, when you talk about the the, the Kyle Trash thing, I, I think you're right. They said it last night too. They think it comes down to like the, the SEC championship game and you know, I'll I'll just tell you right now. If Kyle Trash should still be the leader it, for the for the Heisman trophy. It's 34 touchdown passes. You know, I remember I'm not like I'm old enough to remember that three touchdowns and zero interceptions in a game is a hell of a day for, for a quarterback. And now it's like, you even said it. And, and I felt it way too, that way too, because I remember, I, I watched I watched the first half and I was cracking up because Kentucky scored, had a chance, they had a lead. Had a second almost. quarter
0: lead, had a second quarter lead, yeah. But,
1: but what one of the things we're starting to see from this team is, is like, this is not just the Kyle to Kyle show. It, it, and, and we talked, I know we talked about that a lot, like to, to the beginning of this, but like there's a lot of talent on this team, and you're starting to see guys like Kadarius Tony. You're starting to see him do it in, in more ways than one. The, that
0: punt return was very, very clever to be able to do yeah. that right before the half. I don't know how Kentucky got so fooled by that. I thought they were – they Why thought the they punt was going right? left. Yeah, yeah. They, the, the the punt was supposed to go to the left, and Florida kind of set up the – it was the perfect storm for yeah. that to happen, and it was like a in touchdown as soon as he got th- – right. like, as soon as he made that second move, there was no chance.
1: I, I just think that um this is a team that that's, it's like, looked – By some standards, not great maybe the past two weeks, but they've still won convincingly at the end of the day. Their quarterback play is still elite. Um, And I think he should still be leading it. But I want everyone also to know that I don't give a – about the highest, but I want to win a national championship. So we'll see how that plays out.
0: On a different note. Yeah. Dan Mullen ripping into Todd Grantham.
1: Oh, it was beautiful.
0: (laughs) I'll say this. That moment – We've seen that before, right? It almost yeah. felt a little bit sabin and like Sabin with Kiffin. there, there were yeah. there were times where it's like, this is somebody clearly upset with the way a certain unit is performing and saying, figure this out. Yeah. Or else I'm gonna get somebody who can. That that right. type of stuff. And they're wearing masks so you can't fully see what they're saying. Chizik brushed it off and said, you know, that's kind of a normal thing. That that type of stuff. That type of stuff happens. Yeah. Whatever. The point is There's a little bit of friction there, but it worked. And that's what Florida fans were saying. And Florida fans were supporting Dan Mullen and ripping Todd Grant because that's what every single one of them wanted to do during that game as Kentucky continues to rack up first downs and they're keeping the Florida offense off the field, doing exactly what Kentucky wanted to do in that game. After that moment, and Neil Blackman pointed this out, Kentucky gained 52 yards on the next 28 plays to end the game. That's it. So it worked. And Dan Mullen just pulling all the right strings to be able to maximize the potential of his team that was that was something that was something I'll say that
1: I will say I loved his response and I didn't even see this Allie had to tell me about it oh yeah he said afterwards he was like we were arguing (laughs) over the Christmas lights when they should go up I I thought that was funny um and it was a good job by Mullen but I tell you what if I was on this coaching staff with Grantham you say what you want I think I think he's still a good coordinator whatever all that kind of stuff there is zero doubt in my mind that I would come to fisticuffs with 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 Todd Grantham at some point in our in our tenure together because the way like it's not getting in like headbutting me and you headbutt like at times like there's, everyone does it you're in a working environment or whatever you're close to each other the when Dan Mullen is saying something to him and turns away to walk away and then Grantham says something and then Mullen turns like he did it two like two or three times so he waited till his head was turned and then was like oh I said something and I was like oh he's like he's just asking for it and now listen Grantham would whip Dan Mullen's ass but like still I I just I'd sit there I was like is this about to come to like two blows because this is like it was heated it was heated man and he he was making it worse but whatever anyway let's talk about JT Daniels the 2021 Heisman winner
0: (laughs) Uh, maybe if he's still in college football in 2020 there it is um no sorry Georgia fans I, I don't mean to go down that road again Georgia runs all over South Carolina in this uh, revenge game. I'll say that in air quotes. Yeah. JT Daniels only had a complete 10 passes in this game and looks looked pretty good, but it was all about the Georgia run game. 332 rushing yards a week removed from having eight rushing yeah. yards. South Carolina didn't have a prayer. And we were kind of talking about this like during the week and stuff and saying how, you know, South Carolina – you can have that type of effort once maybe, where mm-hmm. you've got a bunch of guys who are kind of stepping up, they're playing out of inspiration, but then you run into a team like Georgia that's got all these you know, five-star guys and you're kind of looking around, you're like, oh, yeah, we can't really do this for 60 minutes. And I thought Georgia was gonna score 60 in that game. They came up a little bit short of that, but they just did not have the guys. And especially you know, they're without Shai Smith on offense, it's Luke Doty's first career start who I actually thought looked all right, and South Carolina fans were, again, really encouraged. I think if Luke Doty breaks 20 points one of these days, South Carolina fans are going to lose their freaking minds. Yeah. They love that kid. They absolutely do. Offense definitely had more juice for South Carolina, which is the good thing, and pretty efficient passing, but you couldn't really find the running lanes against that defense. Kevin Harris was bottled up. This was going to be lopsided no matter what. When that spread came out, we saw it's like 24 points or something like that. It's like... Yeah, I think I think I'd still take Georgia to cover on that.
1: Yeah. Um that 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 seemed like it was I mean twenty one points did seem like a lot, but at the same time, you're right. Like that was Was it twenty uh, one? Yeah, it was twenty one, like but it like still, I mean like they it it they started out I think twenty one nothing in the first quarter, right?
0: I think it was yeah, it was twenty one nothing in the first quarter, and Georgia was just I mean, hot I, knife through butter.
1: You know, I thought about this yesterday too, and maybe I need to apologize to Georgia fans because it's like I always make fun of their fans, and I always have living in the state, hearing like every year is their year, and this is the guy that's going to lead them. To, but like, maybe at this point, it's not their fault because the fact that JT Daniels is getting first round, like first round NFL draft love is. Oh, is he? Oh yes. Is he? By whom?
0: Is it Pro Football Focus? Oh, is that is that what is that what it is? I I honestly haven't seen this. I'm just saying this because I was the I person who if you're being serious or not. Well, I'm saying this a bit tongue in cheek because I was the person who pointed out after he went off in that first start uh, last week and said, "Hey, let's not forget that he is draft eligible." And we did see a certain Georgia quarterback go into the NFL off of less. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying, Georgia fans, get emotionally ready for this possibility. And if it does, if Daniel's lights it up in the last few games, very favorable matchups. I'm
1: just saying. I don't know if I would take millions of dollars to not stick around Athens, though. I will say the, uh, the moment where they caught him and and Bennett talking about the weather on the sidelines was awkward as hell. That was, oh, man. Like, like, neither one of them would make eye contact. And he was just like, yeah, that was a good throw. It was, like, it was very awkward. Very awkward. Uh, but I will say this. I think, I think when you talk about his draft status, yes, it's a thing. Sure, I guess. They are a much different offense, and I hate to even say it because, like, there is there's – some, there's some, like, truth – not some truth. There's a lot of truth to it, and I, I feel like they're not crazy if they want to sit here and think, like, well, this is what could have happened because it's just a much different offense. It's a much different offense with him at quarterback.
0: The pick wasn't even his fault, too. That was a, a pretty good ball to Kiaris Jackson, which yeah. it, it was a catchable ball. It would have taken a nice play with him kind of falling down by the sideline. And it kind of took a miraculous South Carolina play, that in which DB like barely falls inbounds. But yeah. it was a pretty on-target throw downfield. It was actually a pretty NFL throw that he made downfield as well. I'm just saying, this is going to be a storyline that's going to continue to follow Georgia. And who knows? What is in the mind of JT Daniels, somebody who we have not heard about yeah. in terms of speaking and what his pro aspirations are, but former five-star guy, and you know this isn't exactly the way he thought his college career would start, you, you just never quite know, especially given the injury history. Are we ready to do some apologies? Are you ready to do that? Yeah, I've got a good one. Do you want, do you want to start or do you want me to start?
1: I'll start. That's fine. Um, okay. So um, I I didn't know who I should apologize to. Uh, again this week which is probably a, a problem um, but I, I, I threw out the idea on Facebook I said who should I apologize to um, somebody told me Cody Kirk and Michael Luker so I don't know why I owe them an apology but I'm just letting you guys know I'm sorry um, but Owen Odie Duke Jr which is one of my favorite duo wop bands of all of the 1950s um, you he... have several
0: favorite doo-wop bands in the 1950s
1: yeah why do you not I have a top 10 okay yeah. So um, more of a Motown guy myself, but that's all right. <laughs> I love Motown on Sundays. Temptations. Uh, yeah, it's a fantastic group. Um, you know the Spinners don't get enough res- respect, to be honest. I'm We'll talk about some other time. All right. Back to the apologies. Sorry, I'm sorry for the Spinners for not giving y'all enough love in my my uh, younger years. But listen, so I said who should I apologize to? And I really, really wanted to rip Auburn fans a new one. And I just I did because it was like. You know, I sat there, and people like Dallas Johns, who I love to death, and Nathan Earl, and all these guys that I really do enjoy. Jacob Vargas, known him for over a decade. They've said all these different things about, you know, hey, like, remember, like, that, put an extra second back on the clock, and, uh, you, hey, Nick got a second, the kick six, the, the, the plays last year, all that stuff. And I really wanted to rub this in, because I, I knew we were gonna win. I knew it by a lot, and, and I didn't say anything. Passive-aggressively wrote, this is how you win with class and went to bed. And Owen Odie Duke Jr. said, you should apologize to Bama fans for being nice to Auburn this year. So I, I, I wanna give a sincere apology to Bama fans. You guys are usually the worst, I'll, I'll admit it. Um, uh, group of people, very entitled, very entitled bunch. But in this group, you were entitled to something and it wasn't just winning, it was winning arrogantly and winning brashly and winning badly uh, and, and being able to talk uh, about it to to Auburn fans. So. I apologize to you. Um, and, uh, and and Owen said, we don't deserve your politeness. That's not why people listen to you. And I think, honestly, I'm going to get that tattooed on my forehead because I, I don't want to ever, ever want to forget it. So I, I want to apologize to Bama fans. Um, and then, you know what? Honestly, I'll apologize to you for giving you so much shit about Malik Willis a couple years ago because Ooh. Malik Willis uh, is better than Bo Nix. And, um, you know, you know what they say. Just... Actually, I'm not going to say this too much. guys I was going to take a shot at next, but
0: I did Let's just leave it at praise for Malik Willis. That's what yeah. I've tried to do throughout 2020. Um, I think I've made that a weekly priority. I've accomplished that. I want to apologize to Otis, Otis Reese. The Ole Miss defensive back, who I didn't personally do anything to Otis. I wasn't the person saying, you shall not play. I wasn't yeah, the person. The SEC, the NCAA, they played their part in doing that. Maybe George played a little part in that. Maybe Kirby Smart was like, hey, you know what? We don't necessarily want this. I'm not saying I know everything that happened beyond closed doors, but, you know, he finally got to play. Yeah. And I feel bad for that kid that he couldn't have been wreaking havoc all year for that Ole Miss defense because he's good. And I kind of agree with Chris Partridge for the first time in my life, and I think that he's the best player on that defense already. Yeah, I said it, whatever. I think he can actually plug a lot of holes at that defense. We talk about there are certain players, you know, Richard LeCount, who can do a variety of things for a defense to – plug holes and make sure that this isn't an area of weakness. He can line up on the ball. He can line up, you know, playing, you know, playing over the top and he can just be all over the place. And that's the type of guy that he is. And I thought he looked the part and Ole Miss I've made fun of throughout the entire year. I should have been saying Ole Miss sans Otis Reese because Otis Reese is a different kind of player. And hopefully he's able to like not miss any more games because people say that he shouldn't be playing football but I hope that he is able to um, continue to shine and become a star in the SEC, and I feel bad that he said it stood out all these games. Yeah, so, I, have, I have one
1: more. I have one more I just thought of. Fire away. It regards the Oregon State-Oregon game, and, I, and, and listen. Joe Moorhead,
0: you're apologizing too.
1: <laughs> I'm not at all. Um, oh. I, I will apologize to one of my best friends, Ted uh, McGurn. Who's a huge Oregon fan and sent me several texts throughout the week. Uh, he runs that bar Diesel and Lance, my favorite. Um, shout out Diesel. And uh, he he said several times, "Tell your fiance to suck it because she's an Oregon State fan." Um,
0: aggressive to say to a woman, was, but that's okay.
1: It was yeah, especially yeah. You know, I didn't think about that. That that was too much. But I will say, I do want to apologize to anybody who had to watch the broadcast because I <sighs> just hear Muffet Connor. In a day when everything is like so PC, I did get so tired of hearing the over-the-top apologies about the Civil War name from a state that wasn't involved in the Civil War. So I just anybody that got their feelings hurt from that, I am gonna apologize to you because you have, it's gonna be a rough life if this if you're that sensitive. If they weren't even they weren't even close to being involved in that, Connor.
0: This is true. People forget I just that. just don't get it. It's just Very far west. Guess Very lines. far west. Let's guess some lines. Week 11. It's December football in the SEC. How about we start Florida and Tennessee where there's snow in the forecast Shut in up. Knoxville for Saturday. I looked that up on my phone right oh. beforehand because I was thinking back about all those Tennessee fans who were saying, yes, we get to face Florida in December. They get to come up to Knoxville. Yeah. Florida might be playing in some snow. I already Connor, saw the line. The I, just, I already saw the starting line of this game, so I don't want to. I don't want to guess oh, okay. on that. I'll guess the final line before, and then I'll, I'll guess it after you guess yours.
1: Connor, here's the thing: you're talking about, you know, <laughs> them Gators coming up here to the the Smoky Mountains. I, I don't know. Is, you think it'll be 11, 14, 17? I'm, I'll say it's 17. I've seen the Gators play a lot. I've never seen them. play You in saw the, the
0: spread, Jeremy? I haven't Pura. seen it. Is it was I right? I think it's 17 and a half.
1: Like. <laughs> I haven't seen any of the spreads. I, I I will, we will start here. You know what? Let me show you right now. Here we go. The weather's going to
0: impact this. I think, I think it'll bring it down to like 15 and a half. Go ahead. All right. You don't have anything pulled up. I see. I know. Okay. There's nothing. There's nothing. Okay, you could have going. looked it up during the week. alright <laughs> yeah. AM Auburn and an AM this team that defensively, one. yeah, surprisingly, could be a good game. An AM team who defensively played its best game of the Jimbo Fisher era mm-hmm. against uh, Bo Nix, but Bonix is at home. At home. That makes the spread a little bit smaller than what I think it would normally be. A and M three and a half point favorite.
1: Um I'll say A and M six and a half. And I don't know, but I I just I like three and a half, I really do, but um I'll take six and a half.
0: Vandy, Georgia. Now, the Sarah Fuller Fuller factor, say that 10 times fast. If Vandy can get into field goal range, no, that doesn't impact the spread at all. Um, Georgia's going to be a significant favorite, especially at home, especially with what they've shown offensively the last couple weeks. Uh, Vandy might not score points in this one if they can't move the ball against Mizzou, moving it against Georgia, probably going to be really difficult. Georgia going to be a Thirty point favorite at home.
1: Uh I'll say thirty one. Is that too much like one dollar?
0: No, I think that's okay. fair. I'll take uh um, that's fun.
1: I'll take thirty one.
0: South Carolina, Kentucky. Good news, South Carolina fans. You don't have to watch Will Muschamp lose to Kentucky anymore. Yeah, Bad news is Kentucky, who just likes to run the ball, could be getting Chris Rodriguez back. He has missed the last two games. Number two rated rusher in America by Pro Football Focus. He has been darn good when you he's been like on the them. field. Uh, I do like i do like a lot of things Pro Football Focus. I didn't like their evaluation of Kyle Trask about a month yeah. and a half ago and their, their justification for it. Um, Kentucky going to be a home favorite, which... Has been hard to come by this year. Kentucky will be a five and a half point home favorite.
1: Um, uh, let me see here. Oh, I don't know about that. That is five and a half. Is that not enough? No, that's probably enough. No, I'll say, I'll say eight and a half. South Carolina is half. bad. South
0: Carolina is bad. South Carolina is lacking dudes right about now. Yeah. Who knows about Shy Smith coming back? Arkansas, Mizzou, a game that was originally supposed to be last week and then it ends up being this week and it's one of those games that gets shuffled around. I think that Arkansas is going to be a road favorite, a slight road favorite despite the fact that Mizzou just put together a very complete game against a lackluster, depleted Vandy team. One point Arkansas favorite on the road.
1: Arkansas by three and by Mizzou immediately. If okay. that's the case. zoo so has been pretty good at home too. Been pretty yeah. good at home. Oh, they're, they're way better at home than they are on the road. I'm just saying, I think that way Vegas is going to make this line is like, all right, it's in, it's Arkansas. They, it makes more sense, honestly, for, for it to be one. And then people buy it up because they think it's a deal. I think Mizzou wins the game outright.
0: If Mizzou wins this game, it's win number five. And Mizzou would potentially be looking at, um, could potentially be have, have a winning regular season.
1: Yeah. Like what?
0: Crazy thought. Bama LSU. Now, I wonder how much the timing of this game will impact the spread so, with LSU's defense actually presenting a tougher challenge against the pass, against an a and pass, pass offense that we respected, and we were saying was doing some good things coming into this. I think it's a very different matchup, though, with Alabama. Right. And I think Vegas is still going to give Alabama a heavy, heavy amount of points. But I think it's less than what it would have been had they originally yep. played a couple weeks ago
1: what was it originally was it 28 and a half i think it's 28 and a half or 30 or something stupid yeah
0: so i think it's less mm-hmm. i think it's bama 24 and a
1: half on the that's road that's exactly what i was going to say <laughs> perfect, um perfect. I'll, yeah i'll say 24 and a half and i just i have something to say about this too there's absolutely zero reason these two teams are playing this year that makes no difference at all they they it, connor as you put it earlier on, on social media they move mountains to make this game happen. I think they moved five
0: games. I think they moved five games in the SEC to make it happen. Couldn't
1: hate it more. Couldn't hate it more. And I will say, LSU has done a much better job the past two weeks of fighting and showing they haven't necessarily given up on the season. But you have one team that has, has a lot to lose, like from an injury standpoint, and you have the other team that doesn't. And this is not me complaining, because listen, if you think I'm not ready to go watch Alabama go down to the Bayou in Baton Rouge and absolutely embarrass somebody after the way these, these fans have talked um, for the past year, you're wrong. But I will say this, anybody that wants to have that stupid, cliche, dumbass argument about how, well, you know, like Bama always gets all the breaks in the SEC, just so we're clear, LSU missed two games, right? who they miss them to? Bama and Florida. Bama and Florida. Bama could have played Arkansas, and they could have played LSU this weekend. Alabama's playing LSU on the road in a meaningless game, so I'm tired of hearing about that argument. Can't wait to win by 40. Get out of there with with somebody, hopefully with no injuries, and and hear from all the fans why that game doesn't count because LSU's a shell of itself from a season ago. Bama can clinch a division title this week. Have we not already done that?
0: Uh, Not officially, just yet. Okay. Not officially. I know they celebrate division titles.
1: Um, pretty, <laughs> in, pretty in extremely <laughs> yeah. that's a pretty big deal in Tuscaloosa yeah. a division title, so. <laughs> we're going to probably make a ring or put it on a cup yes absolutely
0: there's SEC basketball going on yeah. right now if you're not following at SDS basketball on Twitter you totally should be because where else are you going to get all of your SEC basketball coverage that's yeah, going Adam on Adam kills it with that yes Adam's doing such a great job with our basketball coverage starting five you should totally read that you should totally subscribe to our newsletter dude check out starting five on YouTube football. Yes, yes, Starting 5 is on YouTube. Some big-time production that's going into that. It's a a big deal. Like I said, we're doing a lot more with our basketball coverage this year. We're going to continue to do a lot of great stuff with our football coverage as well. I think our news team on a given day is, like, churning out 30 to 40 stories or something like that. It's an absurd number at this point. And if you want to be the informed fan, you should definitely go do that. Follow us on all forms of social media at SDS. At SEC football, at the SDS Pod, at Vern Funquist, at C.J. on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Saturday Down South. Join the Saturday Down South podcast Facebook group as well. Get over to our friends at Breaking Tea and get one of those fire new shirts that are just out. Make
1: sure you do it to the SDS website so we can get our. Uh, yes,
0: yes, definitely go do that. You'll see all the great shirts and maybe not even one for your team, but you're just like, man, these shirts yeah. are fire. I want one of these
1: right now. Definitely go do that. Moller, what do we need to remember on this fine Sunday? Mickey Shermy, Nick Hallaby, Sean Larkin. Listen up. Jacob we Hester. coming, Jacob Hester. We coming, We ain't backing down. You're gonna get Bucking so Hester. many coaches. O- oh.